if you call me you people one more time, you are not going to have this conversation in person. I'm not you people. No, what I mean is why no, you got... I don't want to hear that anymore, black, Jesse. That's the, a race, that is a racial microaggression. I don't play that, bro. The NFAC. I don't play that, bro. No, no. The conversation just went south. Welcome to the Father's Day. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. The Father's Day is on Patreon, so click the Patreon link to support our work. Even $1 per month helps, all right? I have with me a very interesting guest today, Grandmaster Jay. He is the founder of NFAC, the Not Effing Around Coalition. He also ran for president in 2016. Jay, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yes, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. For those who don't know exactly what is the NFAC? The NFAC is currently the largest all-black militia internationally in existence today. It was founded about three years ago here in the United States. That coalition has now grown to encompass other organizations globally. And what is its purpose The purpose of the NFAC is the protection of the black community, the self-policing eventually of the black community and the providing of the knowledge that's needed within the black community with regards to the responsibility of gun ownership, uh, gun rights, and also the ability to defend oneself when they're repeatedly attacked uh, unjustly. That is the mission of the NFAC. You ran for president back in 2016. Will you run again? Will you try it again? Uh, As a matter of fact, I did run in 2016. The platform that I ran on would be more applicable today than it was back then. Uh, I did announce that after my last run and learning the process itself, even running as an independent, though I started off as a Democrat, that in order to be successful in this country with a presidential bid from an independent perspective, you'd have to start out a lot more than two years to get yourself onto the ballots. I made an announcement at the beginning of this presidential cycle that I felt that given the current climate of the country, that I felt that a woman would probably be the most likely candidate that everyone would support so that I would not run in 2020. Little did I know when I said that, that the four years that lay ahead of us that are now behind us have shifted the paradigm that it's not even about sex anymore as who sits in the White House. It's about who can return us back to a stable racial environment that we had before. So I would not consider running in 2020. Uh, It's too late for that. A lot of the deadlines have passed. But 2024 is not something that's not off the table. So you will consider the possibility of running in 2024? If we cannot recognize the full fruition of the plans that we've laid out under the master plan for the NFAC, which would remove me from this country altogether and the establishment of an eco state for those of us that would like to have our own destiny in our own place. If that doesn't come into fruition and I'm still a U.S. citizen and I meet all of the qualifications, I would most certainly cast my hat into the ring for the role of the presidency of the United States. Amazing. And so are you a Christian? I don't I don't get into uh, discussions about my religious beliefs. Uh, that's one of the things that we're guaranteed under the Constitution. I don't feel the need to discuss that in this in this environment. Well, you know, I noticed that you guys marched on uh, in Stonewall Mountain, Georgia, something like that. And it was a whole bunch of guys dressed in blacks with guns and things like that. 
What I don't understand about the your organization, NFAC, and people like you guys, I don't know what you want. America is a big country. You can do what you want in this country. You can build. You can have families. You can live where you want. When I was growing up, that's the way it was. And I grew up in Alabama on a plantation. And black people were more successful then with marriage and family and land ownership and businesses than they are today. What do you want exactly from the white people? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you phrased it the way you did, because I, too, grew up in the old days. Don't let the smooth looks fool you. (laughs) It is the fact that you and I both have sat back and witnessed a deterioration, not only of the morals and the precepts of that which we used to live under, but also a steady return and a sliding backwards to the days reminiscent of Jim Crow and those particular practices, not from all people who are not of color, but from a select group that have become more prominent in the last four years, thus creating the rise of the NFAC. It's not what we want from white people. We don't want anything from white people. What we want to do is to determine our own destiny. What we want to do is to not exist under a system that treats us as second-class citizens through systemic systemic racism and practices that have been ingrained in this country for the last 240 some odd years. What we desire are reparations for the 246 years of free labor that our descendants gave to this country, which made it wealthy and that a lot of those companies still exist today. What we desire is restitution. What we would like to see is a reform of the policing within this country, a reform of the judicial system, and of course, the treatment of all folks equally under the law. These are the things that we've seen that have begun to deteriorate in this country, in spite of all the great opportunity that you speak of, in spite of all the wealth that this country has amassed, in spite of all the political power that this country has around the world, it is still subjecting a certain population within its its borders to what we would call human violations, human rights violations. So it's not what we want from them. We don't want anything. What we want is the right to determine our own destiny and the ability to defend ourselves. If you study the history of militias within this country, and I don't know why it's such an issue that black people form the militia when there have been white militias around for years and what they, the purpose that they serve under the constitution in the event that they have to be called up by the president to augment military function within a state or for the nation. It didn't become an issue until black people decided to form a militia to protect themselves, not to attack anyone, not to demand anything, but militias are used to emphasize a political position. The Democrats have militias that actually went out and committed acts of violence back in the 1800s. The Republicans had militias that went out and drove their points home during the Civil War. We as a militia would simply push forward a political point that no one, who is not going to honor or try to help the black people to try to overcome together with us the five things that we have determined from us from a census that has been done across, we hope, most of the population, that we can have those that require us to have our political support or our financial support. That you would have to do like every other demographic does that that agrees to enforce or to uphold this particular manifesto that we come up with that's beneficial. To those of us who have a melanated persuasion within this country and worldwide. Everything that that you just said sounds like a bunch of complaints. It sounds weak. When I, when I was growing up under the Jim Crow law in Alabama on a plantation, black men 
were not complaining and they were not weak like that. Instead, they built, they got married, they raised families, and uh, they taught us that too by examples. And even though Jim Crow law was in existence, it didn't interfere with our personal lives, our family lives, and our friendship with other white people who were not a part of that because it was a Democratic Party thing that put that together. And it's kind well, of, it's hard for me. It's hard, that, let me just finish this. I want to ask a question with it. It's hard sure. for me to see grown black men complaining and acting angry and trying to get complained about systemic racism, which doesn't exist, about what the white man is or is not doing. And white people are not holding black people back at all. I see that you guys organize your your little your uh, organizations. You march the street with guns, but you're not doing anything about morality. You're not getting married. You're not raising decent children. You're not starting businesses. You're not stopping the game violent. You can organize to march up and down the streets, pl- complain about white people, but you won't do anything about the black on black crime, the out of wedlock birth. And that's the role of the men to lead the way. That's the role. I know, but let me just say, that's the role of lead. That's a role of leading the way for the black women. Why aren't you guys doing that? Why aren't you guys doing that? What is your question? Why aren't you guys, instead of running up and down the street and complaining about so-called sensitive racism and all that, why aren't you as men leading the way for the black women and children? So, first of all, let me ask you a question. Number one, we haven't run up and down the street and done anything, so don't terminize us that way. Additionally, we haven't made a complaint about anything. Secondly, you, you shocked me that you haven't done your research about the NFAC. We are very deeply involved but in gang But you just said systemic racism I, I and all that. Talk, and that doesn't I exist. Talk, I let you talk, sir. If two black men are going to sit here and have a conversation, then let's have a conversation. Respond to my question. I'm responding, but to cut me off while I'm talking is a form of disrespect that I don't tolerate. Go ahead. As I said before, if you had done your research on the NFAC, which I can tell you haven't, number one, we're not complaining. We issue no complaint. We don't protest. We don't demonstrate. And I've made that very clear in many of my interviews. We form military formations and we move from one place to the other. We don't chant. We don't wave signs. We don't have go out and say anything. We move in silence. There is no proof of us doing that. We don't run up and down the streets. We have addressed two situations tactically, which have have produced fruit. One of those was the march on Stone Mountain to address a threat that was made to all black people on July 4th against all black people by the white supremacists, the KKK that normally meets there. We tactfully went there. They weren't there. Additionally, our second mission was the getting transparency in the Breonna Taylor case since the city of Louisville felt like they weren't getting any traction. And I went into that city, met with all of the powers to be, had a responsible conversation, have gained the transparency that we wanted haven't fired a shot, haven't broken a law, haven't threatened anyone, haven't done a damn thing. So I don't know who you think you're talking about, but our organization doesn't do that. Additionally, when you talk about gangs and what's happening within the black community, we're deeply involved in gang reconciliation with the California black writers. We are married to many of the organizations at the grassroots levels that are doing things like addressing the problems that are systemic within the black race. We're not just complaining to white people and we're and I and I'm insulted 
that you would sit here and paint this minuscule picture of what you call our little movement, which is the most significant organization by black people within the pro-black movement in the last 60 years. And it's something that's never been done in the existence of this country. What I don't understand about what you all doing is if you can organize a rally, if you can organize and go and pretend that the police brutality is happening and racism, why don't you organize and black people to return to God, get married, raise decent children, start businesses? Why don't I buy land? You can do that in America. Why not put that same effort to rebuilding families? Because the real reality is that black people are suffering, those who are suffering, I beg due you to, to the more character. I beg you to stop again, sir. This, this interview is going to end, end prematurely if you don't stop sitting there letting me know how much, how little you know about us. If you study I know us, about all the now, stuff I, you just named. We're doing just that. We're doing everything you said. But it doesn't show anywhere. Fact, at the beginning of this conversation, you asked me what was my religion, and I didn't want to get into it because I didn't want to get into a theological discussion. But since you opened the door, allow me to walk through it. Not only do I teach on the regular on a show called Facts Over Feelings, where we deal with just those issues, where we encourage things such as group economics, where we talk about the stabilization of the American family, where we talk about the fact and where we teach on things such as post-slave traumatic stress, uh, stress syndrome, where we talk about the fact that we have to raise our racial esteem and begin to recapture the unity that we had before. I'm doing all of those things. And most of the people in the NFAC are of the same religious uh, religious faith and persuasion and believe in all of those principles. If you study us, you'll find out that I've made it very clear that one of our goals was not just the protection of the black community, but the protection of the black community so it could self-heal and we could assist with all of those things that you just named, every last thing that you just named, we have already been doing. I don't see an any proof. And I've looked around the country and I've asked and I've interviewed all types of people. I don't see anywhere where black people are building. I do see that everywhere they go, they destroy. For an example, there's a terrorist attack upon America right now by the radical far left black uh Lesbians, the Black Lives Matter people, and the Antifa and all they are destroying. And black people are stealing and robbing and no shame about it. They are taken from the white man and they feel that. I didn't grow up like that. And then black people didn't, when I was growing up, black people didn't think as a group. They thought as an individual, as, as Christians, as uh, uh, American citizens. So they built. And those black who was of decency, they hung out with. Those who were not, they didn't hang out with. Why do you guys have to act like all blacks are the same? You got to have this movement going. Why not just live as normal people and treat everybody equally? How can you sit there and say live as normal people and act like something that has that exists right in front of your face is even playing out as we're talking about? Systemic racism does exist. There's no proof of that. Brainwashed by Tom. I didn't cut you off, sir. In the book Brainwashed by Tom Harrell, he talks about people like you, people who don't realize that we've only been off the plantation for about 155 years and that you've only been a full blown citizen for about 56 years. You talked about living under Jim Crow and that our culture and our memory and our entire race was destroyed for 246 years under the act of enslavement. Enslavement is a violent act. It is not something that you are. And that our race has never been given a chance to recover from 400 years of enslavement worldwide. 
why. That's Addition, not true. You not, uh, let me finish, please. You ask me on this show, you're going to let me speak. You're not going to run over me like you do these weak people. And I am not here to sit and listen to someone who is a champion for the very group that whose ass they decide to kiss just so that they can have a spot to say what they want to say. I represent the face of the black movement now, and it is different than anything like BLM, who we do not align with, or anything else. Everything that you're saying, you're totally ignoring the fact that the empirical evidence exists right in front of your face. If we had to abolish the U.S. government, reestablish a unified coalition court, redistribute the land, take back the gold that's been taken, abolish the U.S. dollar, and a few other things, they call that a revolutionary act. But when you're talking about people addressing such things as the continued colonization of the black community through gentrification, the infusion of the black community of folks that continue to make it impossible for us to achieve unity again, the ADOS issue that's still going on, the integration that does not equal an equal equation that's still going on. Tomorrow when I speak in D.C. at the the march on Washington, I intend to let everybody know just what you said. Things are not as normal as you paint them out to be. There has been a gradual deterioration. There has been a gradual deterioration within our communities and externally in this country. This is not the United States that I fought for. This is not the United States that I wore the uniform for. This is not the United States, as you so eloquently said, that I remember from the 70s and the 80s. This is not the United States. Yesterday, a 17-year-old boy got a weapon that he shouldn't even have had and got a ride from his white mother to go up to another state to kill some people simply because he was still being poisoned with the poison of racism. Where are all the Klan robes? You can't find a Klan in a, in, a, in a thrift store or the Salvation Army because they still have them. You're not going to sit there and insult me and the 45 million other people that still exist Let in me this country this. and try to do just what you said. Let me say that you're going on too long. Hold on. Hold on. Without somebody calling the police on you. And then the police Let itself me that you out of the slave patrol that is still killing people at will and there has been no yes. interest. You can sit there and act like it doesn't exist in your comfortable white world. We have Grand begun Master an you going on too long. We don't have a lot of time. Hold on. Grandmaster Jay, you're going on too long in your response. You have a whole bunch of fancy words that has no meaning. I think that good actions speak louder than words. And what should be happening, rather than you guys carrying on like this, running up and down and complaining, why don't you start building and encourage black people to stop destroying and, and let the world see that there's more to them than uh, complaining about what somebody else is or not doing. And that's the I role of the men. That's the role of the men is to do rather than to just use a lot of about. fancy words. All you're doing Jesse, is use a lot Jesse, of fancy words. Talking about right I'm talking now, to Jesse. you. You, Jesse, you said know. a whole bunch of stuff and nobody know what you mean about it. You must be talking about those other groups because I said it once before. You must didn't hear me. When where, it are you building, where are you building homes? people to unify. We are telling people to practice group economics. Where are you we building homes? More gun sales in the last three where months. are you taking, where are you doing this? You're saying that, where months. is it happening? And we've done more in three months. Where? Some people in the civil rights where? movement did in the entire movement. Where? What do you mean where? Where are Look you building? The country. Statistics have shown that ever since we started the campaign, which began in Brunswick, since you didn't ask, which began in Brunswick with Ahmaud Arbery, ever since we started our campaign, gun sales and, and gun classes and gun certifications amongst black people are up 52%. That's something that's never been done the before. thing black people need right now is a gun. inspired by the sight of watching, as you said, and I have to agree with you, when I see black people, 
that are unorganized, that are a mob that's just complaining and don't have any plan. I'm right along with you. That is not what we're a part of. That's one of the reasons we came forward, just as you said, to be organized, to have a roadmap, to inspire, to educate, and then to be able to defend in the need that we have. Have you noticed we've broken no laws? We've not killed one person. Not one person has been arrested. We've destroyed no property. We've done none of those things that these other people have done. We have presented a very sensible, logical, as you say, organized institution that has embraced everything that you said and have put those things out. But since we've only been on the stage in three months, even though in those three months we've built an international coalition and have gotten endorsements from other agencies around the globe because we're doing just what you said. You see, we're the ones who are trying to do just what you said. Let me we're trying ask. to bring back the things you just talked about. But we've only been in existence three months. And in those three months, what have we done? We've done more to motivate, unify the black people in this country, and I can show you all the receipts you need, but if I don't know where you're looking, but by the way you started off this conversation, you haven't looked in the right place because you didn't even do your research on the NFAC. Let me ask, um, as a man, and I find it really odd as a male, because I didn't grow up seeing this, it's odd yeah. to me to see black men begging for reparation and crying about systemic racism or 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 blaming white people for their downfall. Normally, men overcome situations and the women and children follow. But the black men are acting just like the black women, and they are acting like the white man is smarter than them, that the white man can do better than them. So by complaining and blaming, you're hurting yourself rather than coming together as an American oh, so people and put afford that ever. It's not attractive to see men complain I'm like that. I'm going to this one more time for you, and if you don't get this, we can end this interview. You're not listening. You keep saying the same thing over again, and I don't go in circles. Do you feel normal? Does it feel right to no be complaining? complaining? No one's blaming. You we complain about systemic racism and you want reparations. We're not begging for reparations. You know what reparations? What the steps are to get reparations. The but, steps to get but, reparations, and I've taught on this. You can't pay reparations to a color. You can only pay, pay reparations to a country. I've already taught on this, that black people in this country need to stop asking for something that can't be paid to them in their current state. I've taught on this. I've told them that once you decide to declare yourself a sovereign, liberated country, then you can petition for reparations. So I'm not begging. We haven't begged for damn thing because we haven't even taken the first step to put us in a position for black people to get reparations. So no one's begging. Additionally, there's been no downfall here. You've seen the NFAC. We're fully equipped. We're well-dressed. That's we what told me all. We're if all you guys can dress up like that. Of this country, we are all people. I know the people in the streets that you're talking about. We're the actual responsible homeowners, gun owners and voters that got together under the Constitution and formed a militia to address what we saw happening to our community. So we're not complaining. We're not asking for anything. The people you're talking about are the people you see protesting in the streets right now. We don't protest. The people you're talking about are the ones out destroying like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. We don't do that. The ones you're talking about are the ones who are running up on politicians but who never vote, you're not talking about us. We're the other side. I'm I know, just but, like you, my friend. I'm almost 60 years 
old. I'm not a child at this, and I've been around this world for quite a few times. But you're missing, hold on. We're not asking, we're not begging, we're actually taking the steps under the law that we can to move ourselves into a position to get the things that we can get for ourselves, even if it means going somewhere else to establish our own ethno nation, not here in the United States, but somewhere else where we've had a conversation with two countries willing to grant us sovereign land to grow our own country. But That's you, our mission. Our if mission you can't is not do to it here, man for anything. if you can't do it here, you won't be able to do it anywhere. Uh, because there's no done. other country that's greater than America. But what I want to, what I just want to say, when you when you're crying systemic racism and this and that and the white man this, you're feeding you're you're you're, you're deceiving the people rather than helping them. But what I want to ask you, you guys are complaining about George Floyd and these black people who are getting killed or hurt by cops. You're not encouraging these people when the cops stop you. Follow the instructions. Don't run. Don't attack the cops. They're, these people are putting their own lives on the line. But I never hear you people say that. You guys blame the cops. First of all, but you don't I'm going to say this one last time. I don't know who your producers are, but if you call me you people one more time, you are not going to have this conversation in person. I'm not you people. No, what I mean is why no, you got... I don't want to hear that anymore, Jesse. That's a race, that is a racial microaggression. I don't play that, bro. The NFAC. I don't play that, bro. No, no. The conversation just went south. But what I'm trying I'm to find, like them. if you want, let's say you want to help me, you want to encourage me, right? You want, you want let me just finish Brother that. Man, don't sit here and lie to another black man. Don't do that. I know, but let me ask. You said, don't put words in our mouth. I never said any of those things you said, and we do go out and encourage those things. I'm absolutely, I'm actually lined up with you right now. Everything you're saying, we've actually done. But for you to sit here and say it as if it doesn't exist, you insult me and you insult my organization. So have you said out loud that George Floyd was a thug, he was a criminal, he was high, he was on drugs, and the reason that, it appears that the reason he died, not, not because, not because of, of the, uh, hold on, you're interrupting. Hold on a minute, hold on. I haven't asked the question yet. You're speaking over me, hold on. Um, instead of saying to black people, hey, don't get high, don't commit crime, when the cops stop you, let George Floyd be an example of what not to be. That's not what decent people do. Have you encouraged blacks in that way? We've actually encouraged people to learn the law as we work inside of the law, which is what we do. Everything we do is within the context of the law. We've encouraged people to use us as an example. I've given long, lengthy speeches on your, your constitutional rights, your Miranda rights. I've never sat and talked about the character of any one of the victims of police brutality. The same way I don't sit down and talk about the character of the police officers. I don't get into the personages. I get into the institution. I get into the practices and the institution that exists and the culture that leads to both these people, you know, particular people acting the way they do. The police culture, and as you so eloquently said, those people who are either, um, I don't want to say illiterate, but who may be ignorant to the law themselves and not know how to respond when they're placed into those systems. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I've encouraged that both ways, but it is not my job, nor is it, it is our position to sit and begin to classify or begin to deify one of these particular people. We don't dig into the weeds. We're not messy like that. We look at the incident itself and the circumstances that created it and the laws that allowed it to happen and what we can do to encourage people on both ends so that you need to educate yourself and you need to modify your practices. We're in the middle. 
Let me ask, if black people got married and fathers and mothers set example for their children, love was right with all their heart, soul, and might, worked hard, taught their kids to work, invest in land, and be responsible, and treat all people the same, would black people be in the mess that they're in today? The mess that black people are in today is the result of 246 years no, of enslavement. You, if they did that, would they be in that mess? I'm going to answer your question, but I'm, I'm prepositioning as I speak. And since you say, would they be in the mess that they're in? The mess that they're in today is because of, yes, what you just said, there are no more blueprints. You did a great job. I like the way you said that. Uh, there's also been, as I said before, deterioration of what we used to have, which was unity. We were more unified when we came out of the civil rights movement. We were more unified when we came out of slavery because all we were, we were all we had. We were more unified than the unity has been destroyed. So yes, I believe that if people saw the blueprints, just as you said before, if they saw what a, a black man and a black woman union actually looked like, if they saw that the fruits of getting an education and, you know, getting a good job and being a responsible citizen and being knowledgeable about politics and things of that nature, then yes, then they could begin to pull themselves out. But the problem is they can't pull themselves out internally because people don't want to acknowledge the external conditions that the bubble that's been built that's around them by the society that they live in. It's not true. See, that's where I disagree with you. There is mm. no wall there. It's an illusion. And the, and the angry black people think that there is a wall. There is no wall. When I was, when I say angry black people, yeah, when you're angry, when you're, when, when you're angry, there, when you're angry, there seemed to be a wall there, but it's not. And it's abnormal for men to be angry. I, let me just, let me finish this and then I'll let you ask a question. Let me just say this first. I disagree with you that black people, I know, but let me say it. I'll let you, let me, I'll let you answer the question. I know, but let me say this. Don't be afraid of my question, Jesse. I'm not, I'll let you ask, but you said one thing that's not true. Black people were more united before. I went from being a presidential candidate. So what to leading what some people think is a black revolutionary organization. Repeat that. Repeat that. I'm sorry. How do you think someone who aspired to the to the office of the presidency went from that particular mentality to being the head of what many consider now to be a black revolutionary organization? I Can don't you know. How that did please? that happen? I have no idea. I wonder. How did that happen? I'm asking you that question. I don't know how to have. I'm surprised that I don't know what happened. Well, the very first thing that you that I, the reason I ask you that is because you keep talking about this angry group, and there is no angry. Well, not just your group. group. I'm talking about I'm most black people in general. I'm not just to your group. This for your audience as if we're angry. No, not I'm just your group. There's no one here that's angry. We're exercising our constitutional rights. But I'm not like just talking about your group. Does. I'm talking about most, not all, not all, not all, but most black the people in general are angry. About my organization. The NFAC is not a bunch of angry people. I didn't say, I said most, not all, man. I ain't, I'm not talking none, about just none of us. See, but I don't tolerate that. Either. If anyone has a personal issue, if anyone has an axe to grind, if anyone is angry, as you said, they can't be a part of this organization. You won't make it through our vetting process. So we're not an angry group. Let me ask you, you said that uh, the black people were united after the civil rights movement. That's, that's not true at all. Black Americans were united after the civil rights movement. I said we're not as united now 
as, as a people as we were then, the same way we weren't as united then right. as we were when we came out. It's been a steady deterioration. Yeah. That's the point I was oh, making. Okay. Because yeah. prior to the civil rights movement, black people were better off. The one of the worst things that happened off. to yeah. You believe that we were better off prior to the civil rights movement? Yes. One of the worst things that happened to black people was the civil was Who the this interview with this guy? Did you just <laughs> sit here and say that we were better off before the civil rights movement? Absolutely. May I tell you why? Because pri- because prior to the civil rights movement, black people thought as an individual, the fathers and the mothers got married. They thought for themselves about the family and their, and their lives. Grandparents thought for themselves. They worked. They didn't have no black leaders. They were not mad at the white people and blaming them. And so long come the civil rights movement, uh, came the civil rights movement, and they said to black people, you know what? There's racism out there. The white man trying to hold you back. So what we're going to do, we're going to organize you. We're going to get you to fight the white man and make them love you. And then we're going to become your leaders. You can't have the fathers and mothers and fathers lead anymore. We're going to become your leaders and we're going to sell you over to the Democratic Party for a dollar bill. But you can't have a man in the home. So they took the fathers out, the corrupt black leaders like Jesse Jackson and the whole civil rights so-called leaders. And the government became the daddy of the people. And it's been down here ever since. So it, the one of the worst thing that happened to the blacks was the civil rights movement. No such thing as civil rights, by I the way. Would, uh, I would encourage you uh, to read this book here, Enough, by Juan Williams, which is the phony leaders, dead-end movements, and culture of failure that have undermined black America and what we can do about it. And it actually talks about some of the things that you talked about. First of all, let me talk about the first thing of what you said. No, black people didn't need someone to come to them to tell them that they were being uh, treated less than a human under Jim Crow. Those people who are not that, I didn't say nothing while you were talking, (laughs) sir. Uh, Those people who are the the descendants of slavery, those people who survived through the 20s and and the red summers, those people who survived the terrors of the lynching era, those people who survived the terrors of the KKK season and the destruction of all those wealthy black towns, those people who had found out that now they had to live in an uncomfortable existence, those people had acquiesced to a system that they couldn't overthrow. So no, the civil rights movement wasn't something that was suggested to them. What happened was they got sick of it. Now here's where you are correct, and I have to agree with you, that yes, there was an infiltration of that particular movement to to acquiesce some of the very same people you named or named in this book that got bought out, that got misled to do just what you said, to lull the people into a form of sleep where programs could be then constructed by the government that would further their destruction in the coming years. You're absolutely right. Here's the difference. Once those programs were enacted and we saw the the results of all these systemic systems that we talked about that happened under some of the past administrations coming into the 70s when the 80s and the 90s happened. And we saw the fruits of that destruction, the complete deterioration of the black community, as you said, the complete falling apart of the black family, the complete destruction of jobs through economy deprivation. We saw all of those things. But what has happened since then, since we've entered into this new era after 9-11, when the government has become more authoritarian and really didn't care about color anymore, it was now about robbing people of their rights. You're absolutely right. Everyone began to suffer under that system. But it was those at the bottom of the totem pole who suffered the most 
folks with in proportion, disproportionate mass incarcerations, as you said, systems that separated the man from the home. And then, of course, the internal brainwashing that has since gone on. There's a book here that talks about that in my library also. So I would have to half agree with you uh, and half disagree with you. Let me, <laughs> I write me. about that in my book from uh, the antidote, Healing America from the Poison of Hate, Blame and Victimhood. The black, the black so-called leaders, the one thing that they didn't have, they didn't have love for the black people because they didn't have fathers in their homes. Jesse Jackson, Louis Farrakhan. You're not letting me finish. You're not respecting the black man. Hold on. Okay. Uh, um, Louis, uh, Louis Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, Al Shopton, and those other co- radical old civil rights people, they didn't have fathers, so they were turned away from their fathers, and they had the mentality of their mothers. They were in their head and thinking illogically. They thought like women and not like men. And the worst thing that can happen to children is to turn them away from their fathers. And so Jesse Jackson and all those guys, um, um, Barack Obama and all of them, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, they didn't have fathers in the home, so they, they were insecure people. They were emotional like women. And instead of turning the people back to their fathers, they used the people for their own personal gain. So it wasn't the white man that did it and is still doing it. It's the black people, black men and black women who are doing it to one another. Once again, I'm not going to sit here and let you keep trying to get, let the white man off the hook. Are you qualified in human psychology? I'm sorry? Are you qualified? Do you hold a degree in human psychology? I'm smarter than any person with a degree. That's not what I asked you, sir. No, I'm not. Thank God. Cause some of the you dumbest people done, are the ones with degrees. You know that. Have you, have you done an etymological study on the family structure? I ain't structure doing no etymology, but I do know human nature. And I know okay. that when you're you turn kids away sir. from their fathers, but you turn them to weakness. my question. You're, you're, you're deflecting. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But you just sat here and named a bunch of people that you're talking as if you have empirical factual evidence I do. that these men that you've done some type of psychological study now here's what's interesting about what you said allow me to respond you're absolutely correct about what has happened with black men but you're focusing on the wrong generation this last generation the last two generations that have been raised by a disproportionate number of females That's because a, of the overmass incarceration of black males. No. You're absolutely right. I, we do see, and I agree with you, I see a lot of men today that when they're confronted with situations, respond like females. Why? They were raised by females. I agree with you that the man should be in the home to give the blueprint, because to be a man, you got to see a man. That's how I was raised. It looks like that's how you was raised, too. However, the men that you spoke of that came up in the civil rights, for instance, Martin, uh, Martin Luther King, he had a father in the home. I His think he was a preacher. Now, I think he was the only one. But what you want to do is you want to sit here and you want to let white people off the hook for being responsible and having accountability for the horrors of Jim Crow, for the horrors that they inflicted on people that made them have the civil rights movement. Those That right there, I will not acquiesce to. What I will agree with you on, that is in the last 10 to 15 years, because of the deterioration of the black family, because of the fact that single mothers have been forced to try to do something that they were never designed to do, and I love the way you said it earlier, because I, too, do not agree with the LGBTQ agenda. I don't align up with that. That wasn't a part of our culture. You yeah. know that. That was something that was fed to us. And I understand that, too. So I, whenever I'm talking to a man today, and I know he's younger than me, and I watch his mannerisms, 
and I watch the emotionalism and I watch how he gets all flustered. I sit back and I say, hmm, raised by your mom, huh? No man in the home. So I agree with you on that. But the people that, that, are, that I'm talking about that they kill, like Fred Hampton, like, like Stokely, all of these people, these people who actually stood up that were willing to try to help restore what you talked about, the unity, the, the education, the structure, they kill them. And then once they cut their heads off, you're right, the people who took their place, that were bought out, that were manipulated for other reasons. Those people were bought out and manipulated by who? White people. Why? Because you and I both know that the civil rights movement simply gave us the right, just like Malcolm said, to sit next to a counter or sit next to you on a toilet. But that but was wrong. No that should given. not have happened. There was no financial freedom given. There wasn't any redistribution of the wealth given. That should there not have happened. Of, there wasn't even an apology for 246 years of slavery. We, they don't so owe us an apology. Tear those men down, but I will agree with you about the current crop we rocking with right now, sir. You made a valid point right there. So, we, and then we got to end this because of the time. Do you agree okay. with me that the reason that there are so many black homosexuals and lesbians in Atlanta is because they have taken on the identity of their mothers because you become like whomever you hate? And because we, it's a spiritual battle between good and evil. And because the black women hate the fathers, hate black men, they turn the children away from the fathers toward them. And the kids resent that and they become like their mothers. Is it possible that that, not is it possible, you agree with me that that's why we have so many black homosexuals and lesbians in the, in the black community you know, because I, they hate I, their mothers? I would, I would answer that. That's a great question. I would answer that by saying that there may be a percentage within that community, and I'm not speaking for that community, but there may be a percentage that, that that's doing just what you said, a percentage. But the pathology, and, and, and Dr. Umar Johnson talked about this, but the pathology he's a dummy. For, most black, for most black Umar Johnson, don't quote him, he's a dummy, man. Is, uh, but I'm only, I'm only using him because he referenced a document. Oh. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the, the, the American Association, the Medical Association for Psychology. Okay. okay. They said that the pathology for most blacks when it comes to homosexuality was born out of some form of trauma or abuse that happened to them at the hands of a family member or someone else when they were younger. So the, other piece, the other piece is also the what we call the, 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 the integration within this society of us taking on the behaviors of other groups. Homosexuality has always been a part of the black race. You remember it. I remember it. But it was in the closet. It was because in the back. A, yeah, you it's know, a we, sin. We Tom, right. We always had it, but it wasn't in your face. Right. It wasn't an agenda. And we didn't have to have rights for it. And we wasn't in the streets fighting for it. And you didn't lose your job for saying something. And you didn't get blacklisted by it. And there was no cancel culture. Yes. That right there is new. And that is part of an agenda when we have the LGBTQ community hijack the black community, the black movement, and got what they wanted out of it. And now it has become a part of our society where you're right. You now see not just black men, not just black women, just people everywhere saying that this is a way of life now. Unfortunately, that way of life for the black community is a dead end. Because we're not reproducing. We're not making families. We're not doing what you said. We're not producing men and women that form the family unit, which is the core building block of any community. You yeah. can live any lifestyle you want. I'm just like you. But the, the creator said, not I said, not you said, but the creator said, 
Just because you can do something doesn't mean it's a good idea. I'm using some very polite words to say that. But the point I'm making is, yes, a percentage of what you said is true, but there's a bigger percentage that has arisen from the integration of our societies and our acceptance as black people of these practices in the open. So we really have no one to blame but ourselves in the position that we're in in that particular boat because, as you said, we want to go along to get along and then you know you, you shouldn't get high on your own supply and you should never sniff what you can't handle. Now what that happened is Atlanta has become the Sodom and Gomorrah, if that's what you want to call it, yeah. because of the simple fact that that has become the dominant lifestyle there. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask, um, are, are, are men the head of women? Uh, absolutely not. God gave, do you believe in the order of God and Christ, Christ and man, man over woman and woman over children? Do you believe I in believe, that order? I, I believe in Jehovah's grand design. And his grand design, if you study the scriptures, stipulated the head of household, the head of the family would be the male, but the woman was given as a help meet, not a help mate. But she he's not the him. head of the house. He's the head of the woman. You agree to that, right? He's not the head of the woman. Yeah, and the woman run the house. She cooked and clean. Show me that anywhere in the scriptures. If you did your research on me, you would also find out that I'm ten years ordained as a pastor. Right, but so listen, trust and believe. I can exegete the scriptures very well. But, it says that nowhere in the scriptures the man is the head of the woman. Does it the Bible? Does the, the Bible say the man is the head of his wife? Union and the covenant between the man, the woman, and God. It says that he is the head of the union. Does it say he's the head of the woman? He Does says he say he's the head of his wife? I'm sorry? Does the Bible yeah. say the man is the head of his wife? It says that the man is the head of the union. No, it's of the wife. Remember, of the it's wife. a three-way union. When, you're, when you come under covenant under the creator, it's me, you, and the creator. It's a three-way cord that can never be separated. So, the man is supposed to be the head of that union. Of his wife. But, but as an individual, but as an individual, that woman has to walk her own life right. with her own soul to her own destiny and stand in judgment on her own. That's why it only so, says, until death do us So, Master J, you're not, you avoided my question. You know that. I answered your question. I ask you, it's the man of his wife. It's the man, the head of his wife. And the wife is the head of the house because she, you know, she had the babies. She does the cooking. She clean. She sews. She irons. She watches over his kids while he's away at work. When he come home, she reports to him and he takes it. So it's the man, the head of his wife. Under that structure that you just described, which is a time long gone in this country, I would say yes. But that is not the society we live in today. Can is it possible for a man, whether they're helping black people, white people, anyone, can you help others without complaining? Do, do that, men that, that complain? Is, that, that, that's, that's an obvious question, of course. Then why don't you guys stop complaining? About systemic I, racism I, I and all that. Off this conversation again. I told you we haven't complained not one time. About what you, when you say about systemic racism and the white people, this and the just slavery, that. Just because I pointed out a fact, just because I pointed out a fact, is not a complaint. But that has nothing to do with the issues of black people today, and a man would it never complain. Everything to do with black people today, and that is why the NFAC exists. I gotta ask you this: Do you love white people? I don't hate anybody. Do you love white people? I don't hate anyone. I love black people. Do you love white people? I love black people. Do you love white people? 
We're going to go in a circle. I love black people. Uh, and what, I told you, I don't hate anyone. Will you be voted for the Great White Hope this year? <laughs> As I said before, we need to stop giving our votes away for free. So we, you know, I don't give my vote to anyone. So you Whoever know, can earn my vote by by doing something that we talked about, addressing some of the problems that you and I just talked about. That's who will get my vote. You know who the Great White Hope is, all right? I don't know, and I don't care. President Donald Trump. I don't care. Do you love him? You can ask me something else. Would you be voting for him? You can ask me something else. I got to put you on the hot seat. I need you to answer these questions. Uh, this seat ain't hot. There's no, there's no heat here. I've already told you. You can ask me another question. Who I choose to vote for is my constitutional right, and I can keep it to myself. Okay, I got to put you on the hot seat. I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. The hot seat. Would you allow a white man to join the NFAC? Absolutely not. Is Black Lives Matter a domestic terrorist organization? Uh, I don't know. Who has more class, Big Mama Michelle Obama or Millennial Trump? Uh, I'm not qualified to answer that question. Is it better for kids to be raised by a single mother or a single father? Neither. They should be raised by both. True or false, Black Lives Matter. Under the concept, Black Lives Matter. Are you going to take a... um, Coronavirus fascination. <laughs> I encourage you all to watch my YouTube, the, the, the needle or the bullet. I think you'll get your answer there. It's on YouTube. It's on my channel. Will you celebrate Men History Month with me? This is our third year of celebrating Men History Month. Will you celebrate with me? Absolutely. Right on. Happy Men History Month. Happy Men History Month to you, black man. Is it fair that biological males are competing in women's sports? That's a, that's an interesting question uh, because it kind of goes back to the core of what we said before about some of these systems. If you're going to be truly equal and treat everyone as equal, then open all doors, <laughs> but don't complain about what comes out the other side. That's right. Do you support globalism or nationalism? Um, nationalism and globalism is a very vague term, especially one unless you put something in front of it. For instance, if you say black nationalism or white nationalism or let's say globally, globalism as far as the economy is concerned, then you have to be quantified that with something in front of it. I can't say I support the concept itself unless you characterize it. Would you like to see black Americans and white Americans come together as one? I would like to see black Americans and white Americans come together equally. Can a person be more without God? I would have to dis- I would have to say no. Did you have fun? I enjoyed myself immensely. We got to do this again. Absolutely, man. I really thank you for taking on the hot seat. Tell the folks how to get your YouTube channel, whatever you're doing. Put it out there for them. Absolutely. You can always tune in to Facts Over Feelings or The Morning Mental. Uh, That's available on my IG channel at the official Grandmaster J. Or you can go to my YouTube channel at the official, I mean, the real Grandmaster J. Uh, Or you can reach out to us at blacknfac.com by email info if you have questions or you wish to join or just want to learn more about the organization. Other than that, uh, I'm readily accessible. You can also drop me an email. 
If you want to get in touch with me, info at thegrandmasterj.com. Other than that, look for me in a city near you sometime real soon. Well, I really thank you for taking the hot seat on. Thank you for coming on. It was an amazing conversation. I definitely would love to have you back. Jesse, I truly enjoyed myself. And anytime I can sit down and build with a brother like yourself that puts me on the ropes, which is where <laughs> I like to be, keeps me sharp, keeps me focused. Black man, I salute you. That's right. Thank you, man. And thank, thank you. you all for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. Don't forget to like, follow, tweet, subscribe, ring the bell, check out our merch, and don't forget Patreon, all right, by uh, hitting the description there. Thank you all so much and let me hear from you. for watching the fallen state we need your continued support donate to my nonprofit here subscribe and like the videos here and tell everybody and their mama about the show